what's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I'm your host, Mark Ginone. Joined as always by my good friend down in the nation's capital. Mr. Dan Silver. Dan, what's going on? Duh, it's freezing, man. I was supposed to play in a couple of roller hockey games tonight, and the outdoor rink's all slippery, which might be a good thing because it's like 20 degrees outside. But, um, you know, it's I'm great. I mean, two weeks ago, I we were on like, uh, we were about to go walk off the bridge because the Flyers play, and now it's like, oh my God, this team's playing so well. It's I, I wake up every morning being like, is there a game I can watch tonight? Yeah, I mean, I'm not this. What has happened over the last two weeks? You can't really. It's like the biggest resurgence of a hockey team that I think I've ever seen. The Flyers. I mean, right now they're they're on a four game winning streak. I don't like to call it a winning streak until you get to at least three, because I think two is just it's just back to back wins. It's not a streak. Four is definitely a streak, and definitely it's that much more of a streak when you look at the four teams the Flyers have beaten. The Hurricanes, the Canadians, and then back-to-back Saturday-Sunday, you beat the Maple Leafs in Toronto, and then Sunday you beat the Boston Bruins in Boston. And I don't want to harp too much on the negative, but, I mean, the, the you can't ignore the fact that in the last three of these games they had two goal, they had two nothing leads, and they blew them and ended up having a win in overtime or a shootout. And that's something that, you know, that that's gonna happen. It, I don't think it's a common. It's not gonna be a common theme moving forward with the rest of the season. But I mean, just the way that they are playing right now is the way that we expected them to play from the start of the season. And we said it last week. It probably it's only a matter of time before this team really hits its stride. And it looks like they're doing just that right now. Yeah, you know, I, we've always talked over the last number of years about how terrible the Flyers are at the beginning of games and they're slow starters. So. I would much rather have the problem where they're getting up to nothing and blowing the leads and then having to hang on and get the win in a shootout. And by the way, I mean, the game against the Bruins, you're playing against the best team in the league. Last night, you played against the Maple Leafs. The Bruins were well-rested. So we come out to a 2 nothing lead, which was yeah. awesome. you got to expect that the Bruins are going to come out balls yeah. to the wall in the third period. So I don't really think that – I think it's kind of like misleading to, to get down on the team for blowing a 2 nothing lead against that Bruins team because they were just kind of holding on for dear life. And look, at the end of the day, you know, road games against some of the best teams in the league, you're not going to – typically win those games to nothing you know you they the flyers played really well early on and then they you know those those good teams got a couple goals late but they showed a lot of heart especially late in that bruins game some of the saves carter hart was making and the team just running on reserves doing everything they could to get to overtime and then oh i mean these overtimes have been so entertaining but they're finally winning shootouts i mean the the flyers have are uh have won Three out of the last four shootouts, this is something we're not used to from the team that is, has the worst all-time record in the NHL in shootouts. Yeah, I mean, Carter Hart was definitely the difference maker on Sunday in Boston. And I put the tweet out after there was a David Pasternak um, penalty shot that he stopped. And I said— and, The leading goal scorer in the league. Right. Yeah, and they mentioned that as he's coming down, like as he's crossing the blue line, that gets mentioned. And— 
you know, half half when I tweeted it out, half it was half tongue in cheek, half kind of serious. I said, I think every Flyers goalie that they've thrown out there the last five years lets that goal in. And Carter Hart didn't. And that's when he makes that save on that penalty shot against, like you said, the leading goal scorer in the league. That for me, that was like there's no way the Flyers lose this game. There was just and he did everything down the stretch in that game to keep them in it and to keep them to keep the game tied and to make sure that Boston never put the Flyers away. And he was great in overtime and then the shootout, he didn't let any he didn't he let nothing in in the shootout. The Flyers ended up I think the Flyers Farabee was the lone goal scorer for the Flyers in the shootout. So you just I mean you just think of that in in a nutshell right there. Carter Hart saves the for like you said, down the stretch, the Flyers, and it was like late in the second period, and then for most of the third period, the Flyers were just spent. They were they were running on fumes. They needed Carter Hart to do what he did. And when you look at that, he gets them through that the onslaught in the third period, gets them through overtime, gets them through the shootout, and Joel Farabee does what he, I mean, just impresses again in the shootout. It was a great little head fake, and then he just kind of lifted it over Halak's glove hand. But when you're thinking about Carter Hart and Joel Farabee are literally, I mean, they're winning you games right now. If you compare that to where we've been the last four four years with this team, it's almost like I mean, it's almost like a dream that we're living in when you say that Carter Hart, Joel Farabee were the difference makers of the Flyers. How about Joel Farabee? They send him out there, the first shooter in the shootout, he comes down literally like he's got ice water running through his veins and he pulls off this shot where he just kind of so confidently saucers the puck <laughs> basically like he's passing the it wasn't even a shot it was basically passing the puck to the top corner of the net right i mean that kid i i i mentioned this before when i was growing up in philly listening to wip all the time gary cobb ex football player had this great show he would do maybe a couple times a year talking about guys who have it, quote-unquote it. And it's not something, you know, you can be like, hey, um, Michael Vick's got, like, the best arm in football, and Carey Price is the best goalie in hockey, and, you know, Barry Bonds hits the ball further than anyone else. You could be the best player in the league and not necessarily have it. It's like that, just that's something that you can't describe, and it's probably different for Obviously, I maybe think of it differently than you would or other people. But it's like some guys just have it. Joe Montana had it. Yeah. Like he wasn't the best player out there. He wasn't the most talented guy. But he just had something that that gave him that edge. And Joel Farabee is a guy that is – you can just tell. He's got it. Like Joel Farabee – and there's other guys on the team who, who you know, maybe have, have got it. I think Phil Myers is another guy. But Farabee is just – it's, you know, he's just such a well-rounded player, but he's, I don't know. There's just something about the kid. He's just, he's really, really good player and he's made a big difference for this team. And, um, you know, it's, it's very exciting to, uh, to look at what this team is doing. And I want to kind of segue, I want to talk about this, this tweet. We talked about this before the show, uh, Sarah Baker, who used to cover the flyers and she no longer covers them. And then she went to cover the Devils, and she no longer covers them. I think it was a short period of time. Retweeted something. So Jamie Baskow, who covers the Flyers, he's a uh, 
you know, really good reporter. He's there all the time at the games, and he's always tweeting. He's a good follow, at Jamie Baskow. Uh, on Twitter, he tweeted out last year the Flyers were nine seven and one through their first seventeen games. This season they are ten five and two. I have to commend Chuck Fletcher here. In one off season, he has made the Flyers a legit threat once again. He brought in an experienced coaching staff and let the youth evolve. So I totally agree with him. I think it's I think it's this team is totally different than they were last year. Sarah Baker retweets this and says. Nine seven and one and ten five and two are really freaking similar records. This is nothing against Fletcher or AV or anything the Flyers are doing, but let's be real. Now, I don't like. First of all, again, I don't want to like. I'm not going to like denigrate her or anything, but like, you're not covering the team anymore. Like, I don't know if you're watching the games or you're not, but anyone who's watching the Flyers play compared to what they look like last year. I don't really care what the records are. They're a, their records better, but you can just tell they're a much more well-coached team. They're coming out and they're dominating opponents early on. Their floor check is much more aggressive than it was last year. Their penalty kill is much more aggressive than it was last year. If you think Dave Haxtell would have sent Joel Farabee out there first in a shootout, in the first 15 games of the season, you're crazy. Hackstall was too busy, you know, playing Yuri Laterra over Oscar Lindblom and Brandon Manning over Travis Sanheim to, uh, you know, really give the kids shots like that. Um, it's just, if you're watching these teams, it's totally different. And it's a totally different feel. I never had the feeling last year at the beginning of the year, even though they were 9-7-1, that they could be on the precipice of something special. But when I see this year's team, and see how some of these young kids are playing and how the coaching staff is operating. It just it's totally different for me than it was last year. Yeah, I mean right right now it's all about feeling. And every now and then in sports like with with our sports teams, you kind of it's like you're talking about right now, you kind of get the feeling when things just feel different in a particular season than they have in years previous. And the most recent memory for me, and it's usually like it's certain moments early in the season where you say, this team would have never done this last year or the year before or whatever. Most recent memory for me, obviously, is when the Eagles win the Super Bowl in 2017. Jake Elliott hits that 61-yard field goal against the Giants in Week 3, and everyone's just kind of talking about, like, you know, things like this happen to special teams. And it's the same thing with the Flyers right now. When you look at this weekend, these back-to-back wins against these two teams in the fashion that they happened, things like that, weekends like that, both on the road, both against the two top teams in the Atlantic Division, the best team in the league with the best goal-scoring line in the team, you don't put those teams away in the fashion that you did when it's not a special season. And I'm not, I don't want to sit here and say that that means the Flyers are destined for the Stanley Cup, but the Flyers are definitely destined for a good, I, I believe, a good long run in the playoffs that could get them to the third round. Anything that, like, look, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. But this is not the team of last year. And I saw that, I saw that tweet as well, and I saw her response, and. Look, numbers don't always tell you everything about a player, a team, or whatever. You just, you're right. You have to just use your eyes, and you have to see what's in front of you. 
when I look at this four-game winning streak, there's no chance in hell any team coached by Dave Haxtell, even last year's team, since that's the one, that's the one that is being compared right now, there's no chance in hell that, that, that any of his teams is on this four-game winning streak right now, especially given who they've played and especially how those games have gone. If they jumped out to those 2 nothing leads and lost them, I would bet my life that in at least two of them, the Flyers end up losing those games last year. And you're absolutely right. It's because of the guys that they're getting contributions from. And it wasn't even so much the shootout for me with Joel Farabee. It was towards the end of the game. There was like a minute and a half left or something like that. The game is literally hanging in the balance, and Elaine Vino has him out there because he knows that he just puts the best players on the ice that give the Flyers the best chance to win. And we were talking about Phil Myers. The guy, since he got called up from the Phantoms, has literally been on fire. He has a goal in each of the last three games for the Flyers. He has been such a difference maker for them on both ends of the ice. I I saw him make countless defensive plays against, uh, against Boston on Sunday. He touted another goal early in the first period against them on Sunday. I mean, these are the guys that we have been screaming for the last couple of years, and it's just a perfect storm right now that it's amazing when you give talented players a chance to play how good your team could be. And the Flyers, I I said it after the game, the Flyers are now, I mean, the Flyers are a top 10 league, top 10 team in the league. If you look at the power rankings, if you put anything, any stock into them, right now, the I think NHL Network has them the fifth best team in the league. But that's that's not... Right now, that's just because that's where, you know, we're looking at it in a vacuum of the last week. But that's not going to change. The Flyers are not, I don't believe the Flyers are going to go down the path that we've seen them go down before. I think for the most part, moving forward this year, this is the Flyers team we're going to get night in and night out. You would certainly hope so. I think that Myers and Sandheim are two of the biggest factors that could really improve this team because you're almost seeing. These they're such talented young defensemen. You're basically almost seeing them improve leaps and bounds in front of our eyes. I mean, Travis Sanheim was terrible last week and the week before. He had three straight games where he fell down in the defensive zone, leading to goals from the opposing team. And then last or the game against the Bruins, he's literally the last guy back in overtime, and he's got David Pasternak the leading goal scorer in the NHL in front of him. And Sandheim does a spinorama in his own zone, goes around Pasternak, skates the length of the ice, and gets a great shot uh, on on net, which, uh, you know, Halak made a nice save on. Right. But Sandheim and Myers have been so good that they pretty much di- displaced Ghost and Braun as the second defense pairing. And Myers is a guy who can play 25, 26 minutes a game if need be. And so I think that those guys... Sandheim and Myers and Carter Hart and Farabee, those guys are the real keys to the Flyers being able to continue doing this. And then you've got to think that some of the veterans are going to start putting up some some bigger numbers. You know, the it all goes with goaltending, right? I mean, the, the two games against the Islanders and the Penguins where we got blown out, Carter Hart looked horrendous. And so a lot of it still comes down to that, but you've got to be encouraged by how quickly he rebounded. And so I, I don't want to get like too carried away, but this team, they absolutely look like a playoff team. Yeah. And one of the, here's one of the other things I want to talk about with Vino and Fletcher and a difference between them and Hextall 
and Hackstall. So Hackstall and Hackstall kind of had their guys that they liked on the fourth line. Belmar, Vandebelde, they kept it very consistent. That is totally different from this year. There have been probably, you know, eight different guys that have been tried out on the fourth line. They just keep tinkering with it. Vorobiev goes down, Rupsov comes up, Rupsov comes down, Vorobiev goes up. So on November 9th, the Flyers um, changed up their fourth line. And it was they called up Andy Andreoff, who's kind of like a journeyman who they signed in the offseason, been on the Phantoms. He wasn't good in the preseason. They put the fourth line as Andreoff on the left wing, Michael Roffel, who we both like a lot at center, but he's not really a natural center, and Pitlick on the right wing, who's not been very good this year. And I tweeted, that's just about the worst fourth line I can think of for the Flyers at the current time, assuming you're putting Roffel at center. So basically I was saying, like, if you're going to put Roffel at center, this is like the two worst wings I could think of to put with him. Those guys, that fourth line has been absolutely incredible over the since they've been put together. Andreas all over the ice, hitting people, playing with energy. Raffle's been very good. And Pitlick is maybe starting to get over the wrist injury that he had because he looks a lot better as well. So this fourth line has been great. They put it out there. They're creating offense. They're banging bodies. Uh, and, and that's... And that wouldn't have happened under Hackstall and Hextall. They wouldn't have kept making changes like this to try and find the ideal fourth line. So I think that you're, you've got a very progressive and aggressive general manager and coach, and it's, it's really helping this team get better fast. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's kind of like what we've been – not we, but Flyers fans in general, you, you've, heard, you've heard for the last few years when – Everything started going south with Ron, and I don't want to. I don't want to bash Ron Hextall because when you look at this team, these are his guys. You know, Konechny and Limblom, they're the two leading goal scorers on the Flyers right now. Those are his guys. Carter Hart is his guy. I mean, the guys that are contributing right now for the Flyers were all for the. I mean, they're Ron Hextall draft picks. It's just the problem with Ron Hextall wasn't getting the guys in; it was turning the reins over to them and. If, if this was last year, if Ron Hexall, Dave Hexall were still in charge of this show, the Flyers would be in the basement of the league because the young guys wouldn't be getting their chance, and you're seeing what the older guys are kind of doing right now. Uh, you look at just the two games over the weekend, Vor- uh, Voracek, Giroux, and uh, JVR all went scoreless, and they still managed to beat the two best teams in the Atlantic Division. So if this is last year, if this is any other year right now, if this is any other regime than the one we have in place right now, the Flyers are not in this position. And it's it's the best thing to know as a Flyers fan right now is whatever problems that we as fans see with as untrained of eyes as we have, the guys in charge see the same problems for so long. We you know, it seemed like we were all seeing one thing and the general manager and coach and everybody in charge were seeing something different and trying to tell us that what we were seeing wasn't really there. But what you're seeing the difference with Fletcher and Vino is the problems that we see, they see and they agree with. I mean, not that they agree with us, but they understand that what is happening isn't good enough. And if something happens over the next week or two where things kind of start to waver a little bit and they start to go south a little bit, you can almost guarantee that if there's a move that could be made to make the team better, they're going to do it. 
And that's the best thing that we can ask for as Flyers fans right now is there is people in charge of this team that understand the difference between good players and bad players and don't put players on the ice just for the sake of it fitting your system or giving you a veteran presence or something like that. It's just whoever, if me or you gave the Flyers a better chance of winning a, a hockey game, they would pick me and you up, put us on the ice, and put us put the team in the best position to win. That is, it's the most refreshing feeling that we've had, that I've had as a Flyers fan for what feels like a decade. Dude, that's really is a great point, right? Like everything that we've wanted, and it even goes back to last year when he traded away guys like, you know, Dale Weiss, and he's cutting guys like Laterra. I mean, it's it just it. This Chuck Fletcher is doing things like. Flyers fans would do things. And look, maybe people disagreed with him trading for Braun in the offseason, and some people disagreed with trading for Niskanen. But Matt Niskanen has been very good this season. He's been held a lot better than Radko Gudis has been for the Caps. And he's just, he, and we talked about this, how much we loved it. And I loved how Fletcher clearly had a plan in the, for the offseason, and he went out and he executed it. You know, he wanted Kevin Hayes, so he traded for his rights. And he signed it, and maybe it was a little bit of an overpayment. But you know what? We needed another center, especially since I believe at the time they knew that Nolan Patrick had these issues going on. You know, and they've they've pretty much done everything that the fans would have done. There's basically only one move remaining, and it's to call up Morgan Frost. Yeah. And I have all the confidence in the world. Frost right now has 11 points in 12 AHL games. That is very good for a 20 year old. He's I think he's second in the AHL among all scores under the age of 21. He has been phenomenal. I thought he looked NHL ready towards the end of training camp, but I understand that they weren't going to start the season with him. But we're getting to the point now where, you know, a call-up is probably inevitable, but I get it. They're playing so well right now, I wouldn't make any changes to this lineup. But I have total confidence that when this team starts struggling, that in order to move Claude Giroux over to the wing, if Nolan Patrick is not ready anytime soon, they'll call up Morgan Frost. And then you're going to have basically the lineup that every fan wants to see. Uh, yeah, it's uh, – let me ask you this because we're, get, we're getting such good – and when I say we, the Flyers, they're getting so much contribution from the the these young players, Konechny, Limblom. Sandheim's turned his game around. Myers, Hart, you know, we've we've talked about Farabee, who's been ridiculous. I mean, but is this how sustainable is it for the Flyers to do this over the course of an entire season if guys like Voracek, Giroux, and JVR don't turn their game around and become the players that we've come to know them as? Yeah, you know, this is another thing is I, I've been seeing a lot of people recently talking about how these albatross contracts that Flyers have, mainly talking about Voracek and Hayes and JVR. By the by, the metrics, by the underlying numbers, Ch- uh, Charlie O'Connor wrote a really good piece today where he talked about JVR a little bit. Like, JVR has been arguably the best play driver on the Flyers. Like, he's, he's actually been low-key very good, and... The, the pucks just aren't going in the net. The same thing happened with him at the beginning of, of last season, and he had the injury as well. You know, Voracek has, has not been all that great so far this year, but he's still putting up some points. I mean, if you go and 
you know, you look at the Flyers' stats right now, Voracek's got 12 points in 17 games. I mean, he's on pace for, what, between 60 to 70 points. That's pretty good in this day and age. You know, Giroux, same thing, 12 points. Like, they haven't been phenomenal, but they haven't been terrible. And I think Giroux will be better when they move him over to the wing. Um, but yeah, the, you've got Konechny and Lindblom leading the team in scoring, which is fantastic. Because we know that these older guys are going to pick it up. I mean, Voracek and Van Riemsdyk are 30 years old. That's not, in, in today's NHL, that's really not, not that old, especially for skill guys like that. So they'll pick it up and... The, the contracts aren't albatross contracts. It's the reality of the NHL that you're going to have some older players who are maybe making more money than they deserve to. That's the price of doing business in today's NHL. Just be glad we don't have guys like Milan Lucic who are terrible making oh that God. kind of money. Instead, yeah. we've got guys who are still pretty damn talented, top nine NHL forwards who are making you know seven to eight million dollars a year. The way to win in today's NHL is you've got to have those players, then you've also got to have the kids on the entry-level contracts like Oscar Lindblom, like um, Phil Myers, like Carter Hart, who are not making any money at all and who are big parts of your team, Joel Farabee. Um, and then, you know, and, and then you've got the guys in the middle like Konechny and Provorov, who you signed to pretty reasonable deals, and they're they're just starting to enter the primes of their careers in the next few years. So the makeup of this team is really good. And as long as the goalies continue to, to play well, yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting season. Now let's talk about that for a second, because we had a question last week uh, from one of our listeners who said, you know, is, is this kind of Carter Hart coming out of the doldrums that he was in? And at, at that point, it was only uh, one game that he had kind of turned it around, and I said I needed to see more. And you mentioned it a little bit earlier. As quickly as he's pulled himself out of kind of that slump that he was in for as bad as he was in some of those games and as quickly as he's turned it around and become what he you know looked like last year and what we expected him to be I mean that's you you talked about Joel Farabee having it quote unquote I mean Carter Hart has it and I mean it's just like that x factor thing about their game that makes them that much better than their competition, and that's Carter Hart. I mean, so many goal, so many goalies in the past have fallen into that slump in their sophomore year early on, and they get ahead of themselves. And the next next thing you know, they they can't pull themselves out of it. And he just for he, I, I got to imagine he he's watched tape, he's done the extra coaching, done whatever he's had to do to change whatever he was doing and to pull himself out of where he was, and that right there is what separates a franchise goalie from a guy that you sign for a year or two till you find the right guy. And I can't talk enough about what he did in that game against Boston because this is, you can't stress enough how good they are and how good that line is and the firepower that the Bruins can throw at you on any given night, and you saw how fast they turned it around. You saw how fast in that third period how they took a 2 nothing deficit and tied the game and came close time and time again to taking the lead. And if Carter, if it's anybody else in net that night, 
besides Carter Hart that the Flyers have had. The Flyers lose that game, but he is the difference maker the Flyers have been looking for at goaltender for decades. And I can't. I mean, I, 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 I want to like, I want to get on my knees and, and kiss his feet and thank him, just not only for that game, but for just being who he is. Because the Flyers, as good as they've been, if they don't get the performance that they've been getting from him recently, and Elliot has been solid too, but Carter Hart, when you look at what he's done in these last few games that he's played, where he's just been dominant, if they don't get that type of play for him, then we're talking about a, a we are talking about a completely different situation that the Flyers are in right now, and we're probably not as energetic about the future, the next couple weeks, as we are right now because of him. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, we know that Carter Hart is the is is the guy who can put this team you know, on his shoulders and, and get to the next level. And that's why it's so encouraging how quickly he shook off those terrible performances and all of a sudden has looked like he's recaptured his form. And look, there's there's still going to be ups and downs. I mean, he's 21 years old. Even the best goalies in the league have ups and downs. And his ups and downs are probably going to be more dramatic than most this year. So, you know, don't be surprised if a month from now we're talking about how discombobulated and awkward he looks in net and how we had to get pulled after you know giving up five goals in 30 minutes because it's gonna happen again and it's gonna happen more to a 21 year old goalie than to a 28 year old goalie but it is so encouraging how quickly he turned it around and it you know i talked i don't know if it was last week or the week before about how he only played what 30 plus games last year and so there were still you could still have some doubts about if he's going to turn into a, a star or superstar level NHL goalie, I think the the way that he turned it around this past week really sort of provides more ammo to the argument that, you know, this guy really is going to become a, a star level goaltender in the NHL. Not only that, the one thing that Carter Hart is good for is he brings the fans together. I don't think besides Claude Drew, I don't think there's anybody the Flyers have had in the last I don't know, decade that literally all fans love. And there's like, there's no animosity towards him at all. Nobody disagrees about anything Carter Hart, except, I mean, a couple weeks ago, you might've started to see people question him a little bit, but for, for the most part, everybody loves this kid, which is, he he's bringing people together, Dan. You can't ask for much more than that from your franchise goaltender than to bring the fan base together. It's such a wonderful thing, you know? You see that? Can't we all just get along? You know, yeah. Why can't we? And that's – it's almost like I, – I I said this – I did a little thing on uh, on Sunday after the game uh, for Monday. And I said so many times whenever other fan bases do dumb stuff, you know, get into fights, people were bashing the, the Bruins fan in the front row for flipping off uh, – Phil Myers. Myers. Yeah, and I'm just like, look, I don't know why we as Philadelphia fans have to be so sensitive because we both know if that's a Flyers fan flipping off, you know. Oh, I hate Charlie McAvoy. Right. I'd flip him off. Right. And if we saw that, if 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 we saw Dan Silver front row flipping off Charlie McAvoy, we'd all we would all love it. So my, I mean, I just wanted to like, I want to stress to people that this team is kind of trending upwards, and I'm not. This is not going to be a linear, you know, incline that the Flyers are going to be on from now to the end of the season. There's going to be bumps in the road, but 
for my outlook right now, this team stays playing the way they've been playing. There's going to be we're going to get a lot of success to this city and from this team, and there's going to be shots taken at us because people love to take shots at us. But just you know, take it in stride. People love to. And that's why I'm so glad for the for the fans out there that need national recognition. I'm so glad the Flyers got fifth on the power rankings, which mean absolutely nothing because the fans that like want to bitch all summer with the top 10 list and the Flyers players that don't make it on there. They're the ones that need the Flyers to be fifth on the power rankings. The Flyers are, they're a good hockey team right now. They're going to be a good hockey team this season and they're going to be a playoff team. So whatever shit people want to throw at you from the outside, just take it in stride and just know that this team is trending in, in the right direction. And there's a lot of teams in the NHL right now who would love to be where the Flyers are as an organization. And we should be proud of what they've been doing and what they're going to accomplish for the rest of this season. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's going to be fun from here on out, folks, for a number, a number of years, I would say. Yes, I hope I'm here for, to see all of them. Um, so we got a lot of questions, did we not? 18 we are, questions. 18 questions. It's great. we got such good fans. Yes, I think that I think they're mostly your fans. I don't know how much they're fans of me, but uh, come on, don't be modest. I, I think they, they love you too. We have excellent. Oh, listeners. by the way, we're going to be uh, probably going to be at the game on December twenty third against the Rangers. So uh, come on out and uh, say hi. We'll get some drinks. Yes, they won't be on me, but we'll definitely get some drinks. Bring <laughs> your own. BYO. If you're nice enough to me, I might buy you a drink. There you go. Dan, Dan's got a bigger heart than I do. We won't be tailgating because it's probably going to be freezing. Yeah. Uh, It is probably. (laughs) Two days before Christmas, too. Wow. How nice. A little bit of festive time. I'll wear the the Santa suit. There's always the guy at the game wearing the Santa suit with the Flyers jersey over top. I'll be that guy. I'll put on the weight. Oh, man. I'm going to have to get you tickets in another section. (laughs) All right. So uh, do you have the – the question there pulled I do. up on your end? Yeah, let's let's fire through some of these questions. So the Rip first through. first one I see is from Paul F. at Goaliezilla41. And Paul asks, aside from the numbers game, is there anything in his game that is still holding Morgan Frost back from the Flyers lineup? So I don't think so. Like I said, I think he is NHL ready uh, in training camp. And, like, there's stuff that everyone can do to improve. Claude Drew still probably thinks he can do to improve. I think Morgan Frost is NHL ready. I think that the Flyers are probably – you want to be a little more careful with a guy that you're going to start in the NHL at center than on the wing. You've got a little bit more responsibility. So maybe there is some more they want to see from him uh, in the defensive zone, although he's been pretty good so far this year for the Phantoms in the defensive zone from what what I've heard from people. But – I just think it's a matter of they're playing so well right now, you don't want to change anything. And then there's still uncertainty with Nolan Patrick. The Flyers probably know more about that situation than than we do. I mean, they obviously do. But they may know that Nolan Patrick's coming back in two weeks. I doubt it. But if he is, then you're going to have to figure something out because Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes are both centers for sure. And then you've got Patrick and Frost, who are both centers, and you're not going to want any of those guys on the fourth line. I mean, maybe if Patrick comes back, you'd want to put him on the fourth line to start, but I probably not. So 
I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that the Flyers are winning right now and maybe the uncertainty with, with Nolan Patrick. But I, I think that we will assuredly see Morgan Frost in the Flyers lineup before the end of calendar year 2019. Very exciting. Very. I have. I've. Th- I know we have a couple questions on Nolan Patrick. So whenever they come up, I'll get into my thoughts on him and his okay. outlook on the team. Should I? You want me to keep going down these questions? Did yeah. You, uh, okay. All right. So Chris Bennett at Bennett underscore CK always throws in some good questions for the show. Says Voracek is sixth in total time on ice, seventh at even strength, second second on the power play, and basically provides zero shorthanded time. Overall impressions on that. Is it simply that Vino likes having a good three-line team, or is Jake's contributions to the team starting to get outweighed by his contract? Current third line costs $16 million per year. So, again, I think about this team as the top nine, not necessarily like three lines. Although right now, the Couturier line is definitely their top line. Yeah. And, you know, whatever line Torensky is on at the moment, you got to think of as, as the third line. But, um, you know, Voracek is, he's still a very good hockey player. I mean, he's the guy that he's sort of like the Flyers whipping boy on forward. And he can be a frustrating guy to watch because he really doesn't have that great of a shot. And, he, I mean, he's not a great, he's, he's not a great finisher. He doesn't have a great shot. He he's really best when he's on the puck and driving the net and he can make some nice passes. And he's still a very good point scorer. I mean, like we said, he's got 12 points in 17 games and, you know, seven of them are even strength. So he's still doing a decent job at even strength. I'm just he's not Jacob Voracek is just not one of my concerns because I feel like as a third line player, if you have Jake Voracek on the third line, you could be pretty happy about the, the, the situation that your team is in. So I just I, I choose not to really concern myself that much with Voracek. Although I could see an argument at some point. You know, we here's the thing: we've got two good power play units, so it's not even like we've got, you know, that he's on the top unit because the other unit with the Couturier line is is very good. So he's going to be on one of the two power play units. I mean, I just I don't have any issues with the way that Voracek's being used right now. Yeah, I mean, things are going good right now. People, it seems like people are looking for perfection. I mean, he is what he is. He's not hurting the team, and he's, it's not, if you don't think he's going over the top to help the team, at least you could say he's not crippling them. The Flyers are winning games, and it's not because of Jake Voracek, and they're not losing games because of him. He's just, teams, there's a lot of teams that would kill to have him on their second line, let alone their third line. So they're in a good position with what he's doing for them right now. Yep, I agree. Our buddy Bill Leonard, he's just a gentleman, uh, Twitter at Major78, says, Hello, Dan Mark. Hey, Bill. Uh, How do you feel about the current fourth line? What changes do you see, if any, before Scott Lawton returns? What are the third and fourth lines when Lawton is healthy? Thank you. Looking forward to a great listen. Let's go Flyers. So Scott Lawton is supposed to come back probably two weeks from now. I heard maybe that he could return on the 23rd. Third, November 23rd, maybe, against Calgary, which is a home game. So when Lawton comes back, you know, I my feeling is that the Flyers prefer to have him on the wing. And so I wouldn't be shocked if – because the fourth line has been so good right now. But obviously, Lawton is a better NHL player than Andy Andreoff. Um, you know, he could slot into the fourth line playing with – 
Russell and Pitlick. Or, depending, you know, Terensky's been pretty damn good recently, but I just don't think he's a third-line NHL player at this point. You could slot Lawton in on the third line with Hayes and Voracek and have, you know, um, move Terensky down to the fourth line or maybe have him be the healthy scratch. I think those are the decisions that are going to be made when Lawton comes back. So I, I, I think, you know, we're happy with the fourth line now. When Lawton comes back, he's definitely in the lineup. And those are the options for IC for getting him back in there. Yeah, I like him. I like him on the third line. I like how Twarensky's been playing. My Eskimo brother, Carson Twarensky. Um, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> I'll tell you. All. I'll tell you after this. I know. Really? Yeah. You're Eskimo brothers with Carson Twarensky. I am. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> all right. I guess we're just gonna leave leave that one hanging, but. We, For anybody that doesn't know what an Eskimo brother is, look it I think up. this is from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? No, it's from The League. Uh, oh, The League. Right, The League. So it's basically that you've had uh, intimate relations with somebody who's also had intimate relations with Carson Torensky. Either that or you've had no. intimate relations with – no. Okay. No, no, no. not Because not I was going to say, if you have, get him on the show. Like I, I would – you know, I don't even think – there's There's nothing wrong with that, man. You know? There is not anything wrong with that, but that's not that's not okay. the way I All go. Right. Fine. That's not the team I play for. He uh, looks like an elf, Carson Torensky. He he's does. got those ears. Yeah. He's got the ears that go out. He looks kind of like an elf. Like he's, they're like he's, satellites. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, okay. Well, I guess now if you call him an elf, I, I feel like it's not as big of an achievement. It, okay. Thanks. And now, now while we're doing the show, I'm getting texts from my significant other, basically saying that men are gross and stupid, and why are we talking about Eskimo brothers on the show? So, <laughs> all right. Well, for if you again, if you don't know what it is, look at. Oh, you, you told everybody. I forgot. So yeah, we are gross and stupid. I do agree that men are gross and stupid. Like I'm not. You know, this is. I can't debate that. Anyway. You're going to tell me about that after the show. Or maybe, and any fans that want to come to the December 23rd game against the Rangers, you'll have beers with Mark and I, and he's going to tell you about that. I'll tell you what. You get enough beers with me, I'll tell you pretty much anything. I got some stories, and All right. we, we could dive into it, but okay. not not right now. Definitely. All right, well, we got more questions to get to. Yeah, let's get to them. Let's read them off. <laughs> okay. Uh, Chris Ekman at Ekman underscore Chris. I'm sorry, I'm just getting a uh, barrage of angry texts right now. I'm glad, I'm glad I don't have to get off this recording and have to be in your house. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> I might be sleeping on the couch tonight. Anyway, um, Chris Ekman. First of all, Chris, we love Chris. But Who the he hell asks, is Bill? He asked his question. He asks, hi, Bill. He might be thinking that this is the Broad Street Hockey Show, and he's asking Bill Matz, which would be a compliment because be, we yeah. love we love Bill Matz. But anyway, Chris says hi, Bill. Maybe he's asking Bill Leonard. Maybe. He says, "What what do you think Fletcher is looking to see from Frost before he would call him up? When Lots gets back, would they even have an opening for him this year?" So we kind of covered on these. I honestly think I don't know. I don't think he needs to see any more from Frost, but maybe I'm wrong. And. I think it's going to be really interesting if, if Patrick comes back. I've told all the Flyers fans that I deal with on Twitter, you should just assume that Patrick's not going to be back. Mm-hmm. And then if he comes back, it's a bonus. Maybe he'll be back next week. I don't know. But there's so much uncertainty around it. So, 
But Morgan Frost, look, the reality is Morgan Frost is too good not to be on this Flyers team. So he he's going to be on this team, and he's probably going to be on this team soon, I would say, within the next uh, month or so. Yeah, he's one, and you hate to wish negative things happen, but he's one, like, streak of bad games for the Flyers or, God forbid, an injury away from being up here. It's just, right now there's just, they like what they have. They like the experience they have on that third and fourth line. There's just, it's weird to say there's not room for him, but right now there's really not. So it's just, it's only a matter of time before he's up here. I get people are, you know, they're getting antsy. They're impatient. He will be here. It's just, you know, it's just, it's a matter of when, not if. Yep. Okay. I like this next question. This is from Benjamin Molusky at Benjamin Molusky. Based upon Lindblom's production and the potential drain in cap, what do you think Patrick's next contract will look like the longer he remains out? Closer to Moran's or closer to Lawton in AAV and term? This is an interesting question because so the Flyers are probably going to have about $10 million to spend on their three restricted free agents in the offseason. Phil Myers, Oscar Lindblom, and Nolan Patrick. All three of those guys are restricted free agents. And it's going to be tight because Oscar Lindblom right now, the way that he's playing, he's he's look he's going to be looking at a contract probably not like what Travis Konechny got, which was five and a half million for what five or six years, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be far off. And they may have to sign Lindblom to a a bridge deal, which means it would be a shorter term deal. So maybe something like like Travis Sanheim got, you know, what did he get? Uh, two or three years at two years at 3.25 million. So that's a kind of contract that you could see guys like Lindblom and Phil Myers get. I, you know, I think we'll see if they try and lock them up long-term. They spent more money to lock up Provorov and Konechny long-term. So I don't know if they're going to want to lock up Lindblom and Sanheim long-term because the reality is this Carter Hart's going to be a free agent the season after that. Yeah. And they're going to need to save some money for his contract because it's going to be a big one. But, Nolan Patrick's the interesting one. Look, if it all depends on what happens. If Nolan Patrick doesn't come back and play this season, then I, I can't imagine if he doesn't come back and play this season, he's going to get signed to a one-year deal is what I would guess because you just don't have anything to base it on. Like You don't know if he's going to be coming back. If he comes back, it all depends on how he plays, right? I mean, he could come back and look great, and they could sign him to the same kind of deal that they might end up signing Lindblom to. But you just have to keep in mind that they're going to have about $10 million between those three players, and they're going to figure have to figure out a way to divvy it up and then also you know, try and save some money for Carter Hart this season after. I'll just say that as far as you're, – you're pretty much – I think you're spot on with, with Lindblom, Lindblom's contract. As far as Patrick goes, I don't foresee him this, – this whole – the whole migraine thing is just – it's so – it's such a red flag to me. It, it has nothing to do with him. It's obviously nothing he can control. It's just it's just a very unfortunate situation for him. But as far as the Flyers go, they would need for me to I'm just I'm kind of done with the whole Nolan Patrick thing and I would rather them just move on from him whether it be a trade or free agency or whatever than bring him back and risk further injuries down the line when they're Roped in for more money and longer and longer years. Um, if they're gonna offer him a contract, 
especially looking at this migraine thing, and I don't know if they could get the assurance that I would need them to get that this isn't going to be a problem moving forward, but because there's probably just no way of knowing. You know, chronic migraines are they're a real. I mean, they're a bitch to be honest. There's no there's no clear cut and dry way to deal with them, and there's no way to know when they're going to pop back up. And I remember Percy Harvin in the NFL had. He had his concussion or not concussion migraine issues, and his he I, he played like three or four years, and then they got so bad he stopped playing in the NFL. So that's a bit more violent of a game than hockey, but a collision sport. Well, it's not that different. Yeah, right. A collision sport and migraines. It's not something that I would like to see the Flyers put a long term investment in in nolan patrick i just i haven't seen they're enough. not going they well they're not going to like we don't trust me they, the flyers are not going to put a long-term investment in nolan patrick it's just not going to happen they're going to want to see at least a full year from him i would guess right and i don't and he, i don't think that's coming this year and i wouldn't it, beyond this year i wouldn't i wouldn't resign him just i haven't seen enough from him, even when he is here to to justify that one year and giving him that shot well they'll they'll resign him i would say unless he like decides to retire or something which he's not but Anyway, oh, it's, we'll see what happens days. with him. The next two questions are both about Nolan Patrick as well. Philly Puck fan at Philly Puck fan and asks, is Nolan Patrick in danger of missing the whole season? And maybe he needs to get a second opinion like Sidney Crosby did once upon a time and make sure there isn't a broken bone somewhere. And then veteran presence at fourth line, best line. Time for reclamation rodeo. If Nolan's noggin remains questionable, which other questionable player do you see being exchanged for him? Answer the form in haiku form. Thank you. Oh God, right, we're not. Why not? We're not going to do any haikus. But you know, that's I, again. I just I don't think I don't think they're going to trade Nolan Patrick. I, I, I it just depends on what happens the rest of this year. If he again, if he doesn't come back this year, they're going to sign him to a one year extension and see if he can get right is what they're going to do at a low cost. I, you know, the the second opinion on his injury, I mean, I'm sure he's getting the best medical care possible. And it's just so hard for us to comment on because there's not any information. He's out there practicing with the team, but we've got no indication that he's ready to return. Maybe they'll come out and say, oh, he's ready to return this week. Who knows? Maybe they're going to come out and say, oh, you know what? We're just going to put him on the shelf the rest of the year. Who knows? Like, it's there's just so many variables, but I think the main thing is as Flyers fans, first of all, we don't have to be, we've got Morgan Frost waiting in the wings. So that's great. And I just think we don't have to worry about something like him not coming back and us signing him to a big deal. Like Chuck Fletcher is going to do the right thing here and he's got to get healthy. Nolan Patrick probably his next, next contract isn't, he doesn't, he's probably not thinking about that right now. He's just trying to get healthy. So, you know, let's, We'll see what happens with him, but I don't. I don't think they're going to trade him anytime soon, um, and I don't think they're going to sign him to any kind of big deal. I don't even think they can trade him. Like, who would? I mean, knowing what, te- I mean, knowing what is common knowledge right now, who would even take a, take a swing at a guy that you don't know, that you don't have no timetable for his return? So, I I don't think he goes anywhere unless he comes back and plays, and maybe the Flyers look to make a deal at the deadline. But as of right now, I don't think. You know, I don't think the Flyers are gonna or move on from him right now for a trade. It just, it's it's just a bad situation. It sucks for everybody involved, and I I just hope it has a resolution sooner rather than later. Yep. Um. All right. So now we're gonna we're going on to some questions here about non on the ice stuff. Jay Powell at 
A V E O L U V. What is that? At Avio Love? A V A V Avenue O Avenue O Love. Avenue O Love. He's gonna have to chime in and let us know what that is. But anyway, he asks Will the Don Cherry and Kate Smith defenders link up? And will we see them protesting games in person with their walkers and mobility scooters, or will they stick to obscure Facebook rants that are only seen by their peers and growing worried about dad children? So, you know, Don Cherry's the longtime Hockey Night in Canada host who got fired for making insensitive comments. And Kate Smith is the, obviously the, uh, one of the rallying cries for the Flyers fans doing God Bless America um, when the Flyers were winning the Stanley Cup and they've played her song, you know, for big Flyers games and playoff games uh, since then. And uh, she's got a statue, but they took the statue down because of they found out that some of her song lyrics in the long past had some, um, you know, uh, racial tweet, racial lyrics in them, kind of right. like bigoted lyrics. Uh -huh. You know, we're not I don't think we really want to get into either situation, but, um, you know, all I'll say is that I I respect people's opinions and what they have to say about that. I mean, I just think that the problem isn't today's modern era um you've got to be really careful about what you say and what you do especially when it comes to so anything that's racist and so i under i mean john cherry should have been fired a long time ago that guy has not brought anything good to that broadcast in a long time so that's no loss um he's just kind of a clown and uh you know i think the kate smith's stuff is a, is a little ridiculous because of the time period that people are criticizing her for doing stuff in. But I also understand it. Like, um, so I don't know. I don't really want to talk too much about, about this one. It is a little silly how Sam Carcitti has kind of like made this his thing. Like he keeps talking about the Kate Smith stuff and, um, it's, you know, different generation feels differently about it. There is a song called Avenue of Love by David Gates. There you go. Look at look at you. Look at you. It was You're released. So culture. It was released in 2012. I had. To did look you it have up. to Google this? Yeah, okay. I did. I don't know. I wouldn't know this. I don't even know who the hell David Gates is. But uh, yeah, so maybe that's it. Maybe that's could also be the Love Park thing. That's not real. No one, no one called yeah, that Avenue of Love. But yeah, um, I agree. My favorite thing on the whole. Real quick on the Don Cherry thing. My favorite thing is how Sportsnet tried to just like dance around it with like an apology, like not an apology, but they were just like, yeah, we don't agree with what he said. And then as if people nowadays just could be like, OK, yeah, that was good enough for me. Uh, good, good on them. And like as soon as they put that out, I was like, no, people are that's not going to fly because I heard what he said. I couldn't believe that he said it. Of all the things he said over the years, I heard that. I was like, yeah, that's this is probably it. And it was. And, I don't really. Anytime care. you start off a line by saying "you people," yeah, <laughs> you know you should just stop. <laughs> and the guy next to him gave him the thumbs up, like, "Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah." I mean, you know, it's just it's a whatever. terrible look all the way around. Yeah, yeah I don't really. I care. love. You know what I respect about Don Cherry is he came out today and said, "I stick by my state." Yeah, so, of course you know. he did. People of his generation don't they don't believe in no. apologizing. And he's got enough money; say. it just doesn't matter. So yeah, he just, doesn't have to apologize to anyone. Little Even though he should. Little known but. fact about me, I have a Don Cherry. I've had enough of the little known facts about you with the Carson <laughs> Torensky thing, but I think we should just move on to the next question. All right, go ahead. All right. Okay, so Katie, actually, I really like this question. And 
uh, Katie is a loyal listener. She asks a lot of questions on the show. She, at Nolan Patrick, and the A is a four. Uh, she asks, now that we're about 20 games through the season, what do you think has been the biggest surprise so far? This is a great question. So I'm going to have you go first while I think about my answer. 20 games in, the biggest surprise so far for me, given where they've been the last few years, I would say the biggest surprise for me is the play of the special teams because I think, I mean, all last year we were kind of, it was always the top line. It was, you know, the Giroux line that would produce anything on the power play. And now, like, the roles are reversed. The second line is the better line, but they're still getting production out of both of them. Whereas last year, anytime, I mean, the second line went out there with like 30 seconds left in every power play just because everybody else was so gassed. Um, and the penalty kill has been head and shoulders better than it was any of the years that Ian LaPerriere was in charge of it. I mean, we're talking a team that was, you know, the bottom third from like 27 down pretty much every season on the penalty kill under him, and they are vastly better. So for me, the biggest surprise, and I don't even know how big of a surprise, you can't get any worse than they were, but for me, the special teams right now is, I think it's been the difference maker for them. They're dangerous on both on both units, and that's I think right now that's what, if you're asking me, that's the biggest surprise that I have seen so far through the first 20. So maybe because my expectations of this team were really high going into the season, my biggest surprise so far actually has been how bad Shane Gostisbehere has played. Yeah. Like, I thought during the preseason that he was looked like he was just ready to explode and get back to the form that he had a couple of years ago when he put up you know sixty five points or whatever it was. I just thought he was going to come into the season and just. Pl- be you know have the best best year yet and so for me it's just puzzling how mediocre he's been and he's such an emotional streaky player that i think that has a lot to do with it he got off to a bad start and it's kind of snowballed and i'm hoping he can turn it around but but for me i was expecting guys like Lindblom and konechny to be really good maybe not this good but expecting them to be really good and i was expecting Provorov to rebound I was expecting Phil Myers and Sanheim to look good. I wasn't expecting Ghost to look this bad. So for me, that's that's the biggest surprise. How do you fix him? What like what do you what is going on with him? What do you what are you I, saying that? I don't know. I think you just kind of have to let him work it out. Yeah, that's what I think. It doesn't help. He's playing with Justin Braun, who's been their worst defenseman all year. So. Yeah, they don't really have anybody to. I mean, not that you would really replace with anybody, but even if they had somebody, but they don't have anybody to do it anyway. Yep. I mean, you might want to try Haig in for Braun. Yeah, I guess. Why not? Can't hurt. Yeah. All right. Tommy Tomasino at Tommy Tomasino asks, time of the year when I get a new jersey. For the last six months, I've had it in my mind to get a connect me one, but I found myself completely falling in love with Myers. Who would you choose? P.S. Awesome week. Now, if we can just stop blowing 2-0 leads, that would be great. So, New Jersey... I think you should go with Myers. He's been so good. Goals in three straight. He just, he, he's looked phenomenal. Why don't you get both? I mean, yeah, why not? Go, go out and get both. But if you know what, if you're just going to get one of them, get a Myers jersey. I'll tell you this. Do not buy it retail. Go to China and you can get both for like 
a third of the price you'd get. Oh, I know. They've, they've got these great prices online for those jerseys. Yeah, that's where I get all my jerseys from. And the, I, to me, the quality is great. Do you care. go over there in person or do you have no. them shipped? Yeah, I, I take a every about every three months I'll go over there with an that's order what I figured. and come home yeah. with uh, – I hope the FBI is not listening to this. But, um, yeah, I mean – I don't know what he has in his in his in his arsenal right now. You can't go wrong with any of the young guys. I think I think Carter Hart might be my next one. I did find out that the Flyers once had a player in '68 by the name Dick Cherry, and I think that could be my. So you could get that one, but then people would start thinking it was a Don Cherry jersey, and so I would probably not do that. But yeah. it's up to you. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. But if you don't want to go Dick Cherry, I would go. Um, I would go Carter Hart just because you want longevity in your jersey. You don't want to go. Uh, not that I, I don't think anybody. My mom, my mom got a, a Carter Hart jersey for her recent birthday. Is She'll that be, right? Yeah, yeah. She's very excited about it. So there you go. We, we'll be wearing it to the uh, Red Wings game the day after Thanksgiving. Very nice. Oh, yeah, that's that's absolutely. a good game to go to. If yeah, no, I know. It's it's always a good one. If that wasn't a big drinking day for me, I would probably go to that game. But yeah, Black that's Friday good, is. Good yeah, so uh, by the way, anybody, you can't go wrong with any of the young guys on this team, for sure. Yeah, by the, if I'm getting a new jersey, uh, which I will at some point soon, it's it's either going to be Fairby or I'm going to wait till Morgan Frost comes up. I just I love those two kids so much, and I've it might be Frost because I've just I've been a huge fan of his right from the start, and you know I just even though I had Fairby higher on my prospect rankings going into the season, I'm just such a fan of Frost that yeah. I may have to get his jersey when he comes up. And you're best friends with his dad, so you kind of have to. That is true. I get yeah. it, you know. All right. <laughs> either so, one is good. <laughs> either one is good. Um, okay, Gene G and the Dancing Machine. And there's a couple questions about this player. How awesome is Oscar Lindblom? And Tim Herb at Timothy Herb 6 says, what do you feel the ceiling is for Oscar Lindblom? I love Oscar Lindblom. I, before the season started, said that I thought he was going to be the – uh, breakout player of the year for the Flyers. He was one of the leading scorers in the Swedish league, which a lot of people don't, you know, he did that at such a young age, came over here, had a, you know, had a breaking in period. And now he's having his uh, blow up period. I mean, Oscar Lindblom's second on the Flyers in points. He's got 14 points in 17 games, eight goals, six assists. Probably can't keep it up all season, but he is, look, he won three board battles against Zdeno Chara, who's like six, eight. Um, he's so good at using his leverage on the wall. He's just such a good hockey player. And he's not flashy, but he's so good in the corners and he does everything well. There's nothing he doesn't do well. He's improved his skating a lot. You know, I think he certainly could become a, uh, you know, 30 goal, 60 point player. Is, I, I think absolutely reasonable expectations for Lin Wom. And he's clearly, you could tell now, he's clearly can be a first-line caliber player in the NHL. Yeah, I'm very excited about him. And ever since they called him up, you were kind of waiting for him to show some of his abilities. And, you know, obviously under that, that coaching staff, he wasn't getting the right uh, the right opportunities. But I, I love a goal-scoring Swede. So for me, everything he's doing right now is just absolutely tremendous. You can't say enough. He just he he puts himself in the right positions, and he he always puts himself in scoring positions, and he's putting the puck in the net, which is obviously the most important thing. So, 
I'm right with you. 30, 35 goals a year. If he improves on his already improved game, I think is a very reasonable ceiling for Oscar Lindlom. Yep. So, okay. Uh, Bobby Haxtell at Bobby... Bobby's analysis says lots of people want to trade Voracek, but even accounting for his cap hit and turnovers are still, still talking about a 60-point player. They don't grow on trees. How's trading and make the team better? Uh, yeah, freeze up cap space, but to do what? Get a 50-point player. So, I look, as I kind of was talking about earlier, I agree. I Unless we're getting a comparably talented player, I'm not trading Jake Voracek right now. I, I'm happy with him being on our hockey team i think he's a really good player on the second or third line so i i agree on this one i would not trade um jake voracek yeah you're not going to get the value for a guy like jake voracek just because of his contract people i love when people they they pick they pick these guys that they don't want anymore and just say trade them as if it's you know as if you're playing on xbox and you could just you know make all types of trades like it's the easiest thing in the world. Jake Voracek's not going anywhere, and in all reality, trading him, unless, like you said, unless you're getting comparative talent, you're not making the team better. So, yeah, his contract sucks. He's not the goal scorer that people probably want him to be, but he's still better than a lot of the other options right now. Yep. Uh, Our buddy Teddy Hospitar, at Teddy Hospitar, um, his dad, Ed, was... uh, Good Flyers player, and uh, hoping to have him on the show one of these weeks, which would be exciting. Uh, Teddy's a great listener of the show, big fan. Um, asked about Scott Lawton. Lawton is back in two weeks. What happens to the lineup? Does he take three C and bump Hayes up? So we, you know, we covered this a little bit earlier on. I think the options are. I tr- I really think they want Lawton on the wing. I think they prefer that. So I think he's either going to take the third line left wing spot and bump Torensky down to the fourth line, or he's going to take the fourth line left wing spot and bump Andreoff down. They could put him as the fourth line center, but th- that's what I think is going to happen with Lawton. And kind of on the same path, the next, this is the year Brian at Brian underscore dark side asks what cap magic needs to happen when Lawton is ready. Well, they have to go back to running with only one extra skater like they did early in the season. So, Right now, they've got about a million dollars in cap space. Lawton's salary is two point three million. So when he comes back, um, his salary is not counting now because he's on long term IR. When he comes back, I, I yeah, I think they're going to have to. Uh, they may have to put. Here's the thing: Sam Moran's going to go on injured reserve, which will kick their cap space up to one point seven million. So you bring Lawton back. Um, and actually, I think it, I think they're going to be okay because they're going to bring up Lawton and they'll kick back a player who's got about eight hundred thousand salary, like an Andreoff or a Torensky. So I think I think they're going to be okay from a salary perspective when Lawton comes back. Yeah, you know, speaking of, uh, and I agree. Uh, speaking of Teddy Hospital, if we get his dad on, you know what? I, ha- I we have to ask him. I was researching him the other day. He was like a main cog in that pregame brawl between the Flyers and Canadians back in the eighties. I, I, I gotta get I gotta know the behind the scenes outlook on how that whole thing went down. Yeah, no, that would be a great show. I was not around for that, but I know you were. And I, you know what? I was a young youngster. I oh, wasn't yeah. really following it at that point. But yeah, so we'll, we gotta we gotta oh, yeah. 
get that back on. All right, we got a couple questions left. Austin Provenzano at Provolone 22. It's a great cheese. It's my favorite cheese for cheesesteaks. Well, yeah. Yes. Nope, not Wiz? Really? Well, no. But we have tried. Uh, I've tried the Wiz and Provolone on the same cheesesteak, and that's not bad. Really? Yep. I never even thought of that. Yeah, you put you smeared in Wiz, and then you put Provolone on there, too. So, Huh. But... I, if I could only have one cheese, I would choose the provolone. I'll be a son of a bitch. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, anyway, provolone 22. Austin asks, what do the lines look like when Lawton and Patrick come back? Does Myers become a top pair defenseman at the start of next season? Yes. I think your top pairing for next season could be Ivan Provorov and Phil Myers. But if it's not, the Sandheim-Myers duo is going to be getting – almost as many minutes. I, I really think that, you know, those those four defensemen are going to be getting the lion's share of the minutes this season, and then eventually you could have Myers be the top pairing guy instead of Niskanen. Niskanen's contract is only uh, one more season, so after this one. So eventually it'll be Myers. But yes, I think Phil Myers becomes a top pairing defenseman. And in terms of the lines, you know, we've gone over this. I think you've got – here's my ideal lines. Um Let's say everyone is healthy. I think you've got Lindblom, Katuri, and Konechny. You've got <sighs> Giroux, Hayes, and Farabee. You've got Van Riemsdyk, Frost, and Voracek. And then you've got Lawton, Patrick, and Raffle, or something like that. It's, it's really crazy. Line. Oh, my God. It's all pretty crazy what you could get done. But that's – I'm just not counting on Patrick to come back. Me either. Um but Literally. that's what you could do if he does come back. God, that would be ridiculous. Imagine yeah. G on the second line sounds as the winner, which yeah. is which will really help his productivity. Yeah, he needs that. He needs to be. He needs to be so, moved. Um, right wing saw. All right, we got to the last question. Our buddy uh, roll, Flyers please. Flyers Rob. He's uh, always comes through with a bunch of questions. Okay, his avatar, by the way. Oh, he's the best. Uh, most young kids in system are developing as we thought they would, except Moran. Players are coming up soon and pushing vets out. Frost, Sushko, Rupsov. How will we see this when vets and youth and prospects get moved and when? What is at Gritty NHL favorite Thanksgiving pie? I mean, Gritty's <laughs> got to be a pumpkin pie fan, right? Uh, I was – This is, is this a G-rated show? I was going to go the old uh, The Rock from the 90s, but – yeah, it's a G-rated show. Yeah, uh, pumpkin pie is my favorite, so I would say pumpkin pie. And he's orange. Is that is that the obvious answer, right? Yeah, that's what I was going for. Yeah, I think he'd go with pumpkin pie. Hey, you know what? Because it's right wing Sarge, and there's nothing more American than apple pie. Oh, oh, yeah, I see what you're doing. There. Yeah, I, I would say that for for Rob's sake, that Gritty was probably a really big apple pie fan. Warm it up a little bit. Put that dollop of the. Uh, you know, vanilla ice cream on top. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm hungry. Does. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, his first, his actual question. Yeah. So the Flyers have so many good young prospects, especially on the wing, that they're going to have to make some trades at some point. But what I really love right now is you've got Frost is really the only other top, let's say, top nine prospect that's immediately available, and I think that he'll be up soon. And then you're you just basically are going to be able to craft like the ideal fourth line left from 
the left from the other guys. And then eventually, like, Wade Allison should be joining the team next year. If they sign Lazinski, he'll be in the organization. Then you, a little further out, you've got Bobby Brink. Um, Isaac Ratcliffe is down in the AHL this year. He's probably at least a year away. But, um, yeah, I mean, there you'll have contracts that are expiring. But at some point, the Flyers are going to have to make some moves to make room for these kids. Yep. And I don't know who's going to get moved. It depends on how different guys develop. I would say that Vorobiev is certainly a candidate to get traded this year. Um, well, you know, I don't think they're going to give up on a guy like Rupsov, but I think they're going to want to give guys chances. And if they don't perform, then they might look to move them. So, but it is very exciting. And they've got some good young defensemen in the system too, with Cam York and Agor Zamula and Wyatt Kalanuck and Linus Ogbear. So, I think, yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great problem to have. Not to look too far down the line, but um, he's obviously very early in his development as a player. But can't forget about Bobby Brink either. Yeah, I mentioned. I think I mentioned Brink. Yeah, he's uh, he's having a really good first year in college. You know, I don't think he's quite the prospect that Frost or Farabee were. I think he'll take some time to develop, but uh, he's very offensively gifted. Let me ask you this: We didn't touch on this, but Sam Moran tore that same knee apart, uh, the ACL, obviously done for the season. I, I mean, is this just pretty much the end of the road for him with the Flyers, given all the other the you know young defensemen they have coming through the ranks? Look, I don't want to close the door on anyone, but yeah, I think probably you're looking at um, this being the end of the line for Moran with the Flyers. But who knows? I mean, look, I think the important thing for him now is decide if he wants to rehab it again. And uh, if he does, as an organization, you just support him as much as you can right. and see what happens. I agree. I think uh, it's just it's it's sad. It's sad that's you know, it's it's he's a young guy that's when all, we see all the injuries that he's had, it's just tough to uh, to watch him go down with another one. But you know, obviously, we're pulling for him to get better, and we'll see what happens next year, a year from now. Those ACLs are a real bitch, as we all know. Um, so that was the last one. What a way to, I think, I think Man, we have great listeners, huh? The questions they submit are really good. We do. That was like a half hour of questions. That's great. And they were really good questions. I mean, pretty soon we're not even going to have to like talk about anything that we have to come up with during the show. We'll just talk about our viewer, our listener questions. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff there. I think it's important to close it out with Rob every time because he has the multi-part questions. He's the closer. He is. He... He's like Brad Lidge. He's yeah. He hasn't blown a save all season. No, he hasn't. He hasn't blown a save since we started doing this podcast, and we thank him for that. Um, so here's your favorite part of the show, other than the listener questions, and that's where you get to tell everybody where they could see your words and uh, and and retweet them and and all the other good stuff yeah. that happens. Well, uh, yeah, everyone can follow me on Twitter at dsilver88. And you can go check out some articles over at www.philliesflyer.com. And as for me, follow me on Twitter, at Mark Flagman. That's with two N's. Um, you can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. You can listen to this show on every single podcast platform through the Hockey Podcast Network. They're at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, literally everywhere you can find us there. So you can never be without us in your ear, which is exactly where we want to be. Um, so the schedule for the Flyers does not the Flyers does not get any easier. They'll kick it off Wednesday against the... It gets a little easier. They, yeah, Friday. Friday they have, the, uh, they have Ottawa, and then 
another back-to-back. I saw a tweet. Teddy Hospital tweeted out the Flyers have 17 back-to-backs yep. this year. Most in the league, which is absurd. And hopefully it gets better as the years come. But So another back-to-back Friday, Saturday. They have Ottawa on Friday and the Islanders on Saturday. Hopefully they can redeem themselves for that piss-poor performance they had just a couple weeks ago. So hopefully this the next time we talk, the Flyers' winning streak is still going strong. And even if it's not, hopefully they are still playing top-notch hockey. So until we speak to you again, everybody enjoy your life. And let's go Flyers.